Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. It's great to see Pastor back this morning, isn't it? It's great to have him here. We have missed you. We love you. We're praying for you. Pray for him tomorrow morning, especially uh, for Miss Ann as well, and for the doctor's wisdom uh, as they continue to treat him. Uh, we've been talking about the subject of faith. Uh, these last several weeks, and faith is very important in our life. Matter of fact, we uh, established the first week uh, that faith is the very foundation uh, of our faith. What does Hebrews chapter 11 say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance comes from uh, the word hypostasis, a placing under a foundation, uh, a substructure. And so we say faith is the foundation, the very foundation of our, our Christianity of things hoped for. But not only that, it is also the evidence of things not seen. God has worked in my life. I'm sure he's worked in your life. I'm sure you can go through uh, your life and look and see how God has blessed and how God has worked in and through you. Uh, and so we looked at that, what faith is, what faith defined. This morning I want to talk to you about one simple word, faith chosen. Faith chosen. We have to choose to have faith. Uh, it's not something that we're going to wake up one day and uh, all of a sudden we don't have to choose to have faith anymore. You're going to have faith and not struggle with it. Because uh, can I tell you that you will struggle with your faith at times. There will come times of, uh, of trials in your life, faith, things that you will face, and you will struggle to choose faith. But it is something that we have to choose every single day. In every single situation, it might take several times a day. Have you ever just had one of those days? <laughs> one of, yeah, I see a lot of people shaking their head. Yes, one of those days where everything just goes wrong. Everything you try to do, you're running to brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. Uh, and tonight we're going to continue in Hebrews chapter number 11, uh, and you'll see uh, the children of Israel and how God worked in their life. But we've been looking at different men of the Bible uh, and how men and women that are in Hebrews chapter number 11, the hall of faith as some have called it, and how God used them and why they were included in the Hall of Faith. And today we're going to look at one man. And if you've listened to the Sunday School lesson this morning or yesterday afternoon, uh, you will recognize some of the story. We're going to talk about Moses, the story of Moses, who chose to have faith, but not only him, his family as well. Uh, and if you have not found the Sunday School lesson yet, let me encourage you, it is on Facebook and on our website. Uh, I've had a couple people ask me, where on the website is it? Uh, if you've watched the live stream on the website, matter of fact, if you're watching this morning on the live stream, if you go back up to the top of the, uh, the menu bar on our website and click where media is the button where you would normally go to watch the live stream, there's a button there that says Sunday School. You can click on there. The outline is there if you don't have a book yet. Uh, how many of you, has anybody not received a book yet? Gonna look the, okay, that's pretty good, 100% participation. That's great. So you have no excuse. Do the Sunday school lesson. Um, now, I will say also, as far as the mail goes, we mailed some uh, Awana stuff out. We talked about a couple weeks ago. If you have not received that yet, I apologize. My son still hasn't received his. It's not that we didn't send it to you. It's been two weeks now since we mailed them out, and some of them have still not arrived. They are coming, okay? I just wanted to put that out there before I forgot. They are on their way, uh, so I apologize if that's taking so long. Uh, it has been in the mail for two weeks, but it takes a long time to get from Kingsport to Kingsport sometimes. <laughs> uh, faith chosen. So if you listen to the Sunday School message this morning, if you haven't, can I encourage you this afternoon, tonight, when you go home, listen to that. Uh, it'll be a blessing to you uh, about being freed from bondage. And so Hebrews chapter 11 is where we are this morning. And read with me verse number, uh, let's start in verse number 23. The Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, 
was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the suit of Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for the faith that we can have in you. I pray that we would exercise that faith this morning as we look at the story of Moses and how he chose to have faith uh, even in dire circumstances. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have that same kind of faith. Pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. Uh, use me in only ways that you can. Lord, we thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. And pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What's interesting to me about this story, when we start reading it, uh, and Pastor said this in Sunday school, and it just struck me as I was listening to the Sunday school message, that the faith of Moses didn't start just with Moses, but it started with the faith of a parent. Moses, I believe personally that he was such, had such faith in God because he had a mother who loved him and a father who loved him and had faith that God would protect him. Well, what was happening in this time when uh, we read this first verse, verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. And Moses isn't the main part of this. Moses is a baby. He's not having the faith, okay? Uh, it is his parents realize what, who he was uh, and... Pharaoh has commanded all the children to be killed, two years of age and younger, and for parents to turn them in. And in the Sunday school lesson this morning, Pastor talks about uh, the, uh, the midwives and how they protected the babies. And, uh, you know, in the United States of America, we've come to a point where we don't protect the most innocent of people in our country. Uh, and it is a sad place that we are in today as a, as a country. But here, this lady, this mother, realized that she had a baby and that life was precious. And it was precious to God, and it wasn't something that was meant to be taken, so she hid that baby for three months. Have you ever tried to hide a baby for an hour? Have you ever tried to have a baby sit in church for an hour? <laughs> yeah, there's several parents going, yes, we've had babies sit in church for an hour. It is hard to keep them quiet. Uh, why? Because babies make noise, okay? That's great. Uh, it is a good thing that they are making noise. They are trying to communicate with you. They cry. They talk. Uh, they make those goo goo ga ga cute noises, and everyone goes, "Oh, they're so cute." Uh, and so here is a mother, and she hides a baby for three months. I'm just trying to think of the stress that that caused in their household. Every time that baby started to cry, when Moses was hungry, when Moses was angry, when he needed a diaper changer, whatever they did, they didn't have hampers. I know. Okay, when he. You know, all these things. So I think, of how did they keep that secret? But yet here is a mother that said, I have faith in a God. And what strikes me about the parents, verse 23, keep reading, by faith Moses when he was come to, or I'm sorry, by faith Moses when he was born was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid. I would be terrified as a parent, to be living in that time where you know that there are people that want to kill your child, but they were not afraid. And can I tell you that fear wasn't coming, that fearlessness wasn't coming from them, but it was coming because they knew the Jehovah God, and they had faith in him. Can I tell you parents in here today, grandparents, uh, 
you have an influence over your children, over your grandchildren, and they need to see parents and grandparents of faith, parents that believe in God and that no matter what will trust in him. And can I tell you, that will affect the next generation. Can I tell you, I stand here where I am today because of a mom and a dad who had faith in God and even in difficult situations trusted him. And I got to see that over and over again, and I got to see God work. And I got to see my dad say, hey, Daniel, you see what happened here is because we prayed for it and God answered the prayer. And that increased my faith as a child. And kids, children need that today. Uh, And that's why I love children's ministries. I love Awana. Uh, I love seeing the kids in the nursery. I love all those things uh, because those children need to be in the word of God. But can I tell you, a church house, a Sunday school class, a nursery, Awana isn't there to replace a mom and a dad that love God and that have faith in him because they need to see you guys. They need to see me, Landon and Grayson, need to see Daniel and Kelly Bishop having faith in God and trusting in him for all things. Uh, Because I tell you, that will increase their faith. And I won't go into tonight's message, uh, but I'll give you an example tonight of uh, Landon and seeing his faith increase. And it is exciting to me when that light bulb clicks on and go, God answered my prayer, Dad. I prayed for this and God answered my prayer. And I go, yes, he did, son. Uh, And there's nothing like it, but I can tell you that with her Moses, it started with the faith of a parent. Because if she didn't have faith, she could have just given up. Now, let me tell you, it didn't stop with her hiding a child for three months. If that wasn't hard enough, she decides we're going to go and we're going to put Moses in a basket. Uh, Turn with me to Exodus chapter number 2. Hold your place there in Hebrews chapter 11. We will come back there. But Exodus chapter number 2 and verse number 1. We're going to read through the story. Exodus chapter, and we'll flip back and forth between Exodus and uh, Hebrews, so keep a finger in both places. If you have a sticky note, a piece of paper, stick it in both places because we'll be flipping back and forth a little bit. But in Exodus chapter number 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, And there was a man of the house of Levi, and took a wife of the daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was a goodly child, that looks familiar, doesn't it? Who are we talking about here? It's Moses. When she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him and she made for him a book, an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to wit that would be done to him. Now I want you to imagine, this is a picture pastor showed in Sunday school this morning, uh, the Nile River. We have the Holston River here. That's a pretty big river. I can't even just imagine going down to the Holston River, making a basket out of mud and bulrushes, and putting my child in it. Three months old. You've hit him, and now you're giving that child up. But why did she do it? Because she did not fear, because she knew that God was in control, and she trusted God, and she had faith. So she places him in the river. And that just astounds me to look at that river and to go, would I put my child in that river in a basket, not knowing what was going to happen to them? I tell you, there's some, there's some not-so-nice things that live in that river, probably, that could, would love an afternoon snack. Uh, you know, and that's just, they didn't get a little Debbie. They would have gotten a little Moses, okay? An <laughs> afternoon snack. But think about the faith that it took. I know that's terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> but think about it with me. The faith that it would have taken the mom, those things would have all been popping through my head. And I know Kelly, most definitely, she'd go, yeah, he's going to be an afternoon snack for an alligator, a crocodile, whatever's in the Nile River. He's going to be found by the Egyptians, and he will still be killed uh, because... 
But that's just where our minds go, isn't it? It goes to worst case scenario. Maybe not you. Mine goes to worst case scenario. What's going to happen? What's going to go wrong? Uh, But she had faith, and she placed them in a basket. And then what happened? Keep reading. Verse number five. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And she, when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of those Hebrews, this is one of the Hebrews' children. What are the chances, what a coincidence, that Moses would just happen to float up to where Pharaoh's daughter is, where she is washing, that she would find it, realize it's a Hebrew children, and right there she could have said, well, I need to turn this baby in because he needs to be killed uh, by the law of my father. But here's Pharaoh's daughter, and she had compassion on him. Can I tell you, it wasn't a coincidence. It was a God thing. Can I tell you the coincidences that we have in our life? We go, wow, that's what a coincidence that that happened. Can I tell you, that's not a coincidence. It's God working. It's divine providence in our life. And so here she is, and she's taken him out of the Nile River, and she has compassion on him. Verse number seven, she said, then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter. So you remember the sister has been going along with Moses. Uh, She goes, shall I go and call a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for me? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. So here is Moses' mother now. She has had the faith to hide Moses, she had the faith to place him in a basket. And now here she has come full circle, and she's getting to nurse the child and get wages for it. Mom's in here going, I wish I got paid for taking care of my child. Maybe I should put him in a basket of bulrushes and put him down the Holston River and see if somebody will pay me to take care of him. But that's exactly what happened, and she couldn't have known that that was going to be the end result. She didn't know that he was going to be found and that she was still going to get to be an active part of his life because of her faith in God. And I stop and think, what would have happened if his parents didn't have the faith that they had? Would we have a Moses in the Bible? Would Moses have been there to do all the great things that he did in his life, to be there to lead the Hebrew children out of bondage? And it all started with the faith of a parent. Not only was was it the faith of a parent, but there was also the faith of a royal. Turn back with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. Keep your place in Exodus chapter 2 because we're going to come right back there. Hebrews chapter 11, and keep reading with me in verse number 24. It says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward." By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Here's Moses. He's grown up in the palace now. He is a royal. He has privilege. He has wealth. Everything that he could ever want, he has. And it all started with the faith of a parent. But one day, turn back to Exodus chapter 2, Moses sees something. You figure he sees the children of Israel, his people, the Hebrew people in bondage every single day, being forced in free slave labor. And so he sees that every single day. And one day something in him snaps. Verse number 10 of Exodus chapter 2. 
the Bible says, And the child grew, and she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter, and she, he became her son, and she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Verse 11 says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren, and looked on the burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. And he looked on his way, and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? And tendest thou to kill me as thou killedst the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by the well. So Moses had to have faith. He was a royal. He had everything that he could ever want. But he sees his people being afflicted. And he knows that he's not, he doesn't belong in the palace. Can I tell you, the mother that raised him, that got to nurse him and help, she continued to teach him that life of faithfulness. She probably helped prepare him as she was going, he was going to live in the palace. And he knew his heritage and where he came from. And so one day he sees a, an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, uh, and he snaps, and he ends up murdering that Egyptian. Murder is wrong. Wrong is wrong. Sin is sin is sin, no matter what. Two wrongs don't make a right. It was not right for Moses to go and murder that person. Uh, but something in him knew that that wasn't right, and that the children of Israel did not belong in bondage. They were God's chosen people. And so Moses does this great wrong, uh, and then he realizes that people know that he did it, uh, he looked to the left and looked to the right. Here, what's that saying? Be sure your sin will find you out. The dean of men at Ambassador had that sign hanging above his desk. So anytime you got a little pink slip in your box that said go to the dean's office, you would go and sit at his desk, and right above him, it was a red sign, I believe, uh, and it said, be sure your sin will find you out. And can I tell you, your sin will find you out. Moses' sin found him out. Uh, it might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but be sure your sin will find you out. You serve a God who you haven't hidden anything from. God knows what you've done. Uh, so just be careful, uh, but I digress. His faith, he ran away. He ended up having to leave, and he's sitting there by the well of Midian. And if I were Moses, I'd go, I've made a mess of my life. I have murdered someone. Now the only place that I've known is home. I can't go back to. He's a murderer. He's a wanted person. Pharaoh wants him dead. But Moses continues, and you can read through. We're not going to go through the whole story this morning. Um, but he, got, he has gone from a position of power, of riches, of, uh, of anything that he could want, comfortableness, to living out in the wilderness and taking care of sheep. He ends up getting married. He ends up staying out there. Uh, and all of a sudden, he's comfortable now. He's living in the land of Midian. He's got a life. He's got a new job. He's got a new, uh, we'll call it a new identity, all right? He's in witness protection. He is there, uh, and he is with people uh, that care about him. And he's comfortable. So all of a sudden, he doesn't have these great riches. He's not living in a palace. But he also doesn't have to see the Hebrew children being tortured every single day. But that probably nagged in the back of his mind the whole entire time he was out there, that they are still living in bondage, and I'm out here, not in bondage. I should be. I should be a dead man. But he's out there. He's comfortable. He's got everything that he needs. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we get to Exodus chapter number 3. He's watching the sheep. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. 
Verse number two, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. I don't know about you, but if a bush started talking to me, it was on fire, it wasn't burning, and it started saying my name. If you're out in your backyard this afternoon and your bushes start talking to you, you might need some help, okay? Uh, but Moses realized that it was God. He goes, here am I. And he said, draw nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And so God comes to Moses in the burning bush, and he says, Moses, my people are in bondage, and I want you to be the deliverer. Now, here's Moses. God, you want me. have a, a speech problem. I, I, I can't talk very good. And Moses uses all these excuse, excuses, but then God says, Moses, did I not make your mouth? Did my mic die? My mic died. We'll go off this one. I'll try not to move. If I do, just start waving at me, okay? He goes, Moses, did I not make thy mouth? Did not the maker of thy mouth, do you not think that I know what's best for you? And then Moses, a man who is an outcast, has to have faith. So it's the same person, but at the beginning he was a royal and had riches and had wealth and had protection. Now he's an outcast from the society that God is calling to go him to, go to, uh, and he has to have faith that God knows what he's talking about. The faith of an outcast. You know, it's easy to have faith when things are going good, when we have things going our way, uh, when everything seems easy and we've got the riches. Uh, it's a little bit harder when you're going back and you go, I could face certain death. This is a death mission. Uh, it's a suicide mission. Uh, there's no way I'm going to survive. I am going to die. As soon as I get there and they see my face and they recognize me, they are going to put me to death. But Moses had to have faith. And he did. He came back to Egypt and told Pharaoh uh, an unthinkable question. Think about the ridiculousness of the question he had to ask. Pharaoh, let my people, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. Now think about the Egyptians and Pharaoh. They become comfortable with this free labor. They built massive things. I love studying Egyptian architecture uh, and the amazing things that they built. And uh, even to this day, people can't explain how some of those stones got where they are and how they're stacked together uh, and how they did it because the Egyptian, uh, the economy there was so great. Uh, and so they've gotten used to this. And can you imagine, it wasn't just like it was 100 people, okay? It was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And Moses is coming before Pharaoh, and saying, God says to let his people go, okay? He, he just wants you to let them go. Uh, no questions asked. You just let them walk out of here uh, and uh, have a great day. And we'll just we'll wave goodbye as we leave. It was a ridiculous question. And in uh, turn, what does Pharaoh say? No, I will not let your people go. Uh, and then all of a sudden the plagues start. So nine plagues have come through. Uh, and God's showing himself strong over and over again. And the Egyptians were able to replicate some of those plagues and tried to uh, use some of their power or tricks uh, to be able to do that. But God always showed himself strong. So nine plagues have come. And then here we are at the end. And there's that last plague. And turn back with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. 
Verse number 29. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So here we are, the ultimate plague that is coming. The firstborn of every child will be put to death. Uh, an interesting thing I meant to point out and have you turn back with me, but uh, look at verse number 20. Uh, this Bible isn't one I'm used to reading. It's in paragraph form, so I apologize. Verse number 27, it says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Just like his mother didn't fear the wrath of Pharaoh, she hid Moses. Here's Moses, in turn, an adult, having that same faith and not fearing the wrath of the king. And can I tell you, it goes back to that first one, the faith of a parent. Parent, can I tell you, your jobs are important. If I didn't say that enough already, your jobs, grandparents, parents, if you have influence over children, your job is important that people, that your children, that teenagers see your faith in a God. Here's Moses. He has faith in God. And so now the firstborn of every child will be killed unless they put the blood on their doorpost. Uh, and so the children of Israel put the blood on their doorposts. Uh, Moses goes and tells Pharaoh what's going to happen. And can you imagine telling the king, can you ima just imagine with me going uh, to the White House, calling them up and going, hey, uh, President Trump, your firstborn son will be killed tonight. Well, can I tell you, the Secret Service will be all over you if you threaten anybody in the government, okay? Uh, you will have lots of people watching your house, your internet history. Uh, if you want a fun story, ask Pastor Wagner about the school uh, and somebody using the computer uh, to do something funny, what they thought was funny or a, a joke on the internet, and how quick the Secret Service was at that school to try to fix it, okay? Uh, they will come for you. So here's Moses. He's got to go before Pharaoh and say, your for firstborn son will be killed tonight unless you submit to God. You let his people go and put the blood over the doorpost. Submit yourself to a holy God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened so that he would not. And what happened that night? Well, just like Moses said through the word of God, his son was killed. And finally, Pharaoh let God's people go. But I think back and think, if there wasn't a, man, a mother who had faith and instilled that life of faith in her son, if there wasn't a son who continued on in that life of faith and had the faith to leave the riches of the palace of Egypt and then had faith to go back there after he was a wanted criminal, who would have delivered? Now, can I tell you, God doesn't have to have us. He chooses to use us, and I'm thankful he does, and there could have been somebody else, but Moses wouldn't have gotten to see the blessings of God in his life and be used of God. And can I tell you, that's my desire, and I hope it's your desire, too, to be used of God and to see God do miraculous things and to be able to step back and go, how great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. Because we serve a great and a mighty God. And so Moses got to see the children of Israel delivered. Uh, and we'll look tonight at the children of Israel. The next two verses, 29 and 30, uh, are about the children of Israel and the, some of the obstacles that they face in their future and the faith that they had. It made me think of a couple of different stories uh, and quotes that I had seen through the years. Uh, Corey Ten Boom, uh, she was a watchmaker. How many of you know the name Corey Ten Boom? You've heard it. You've seen movies about her. You've read books about her, maybe. Uh, she was a watchmaker. Her family were watchmakers. She continued on in that business of watchmaking. Uh, she was also a writer. Uh, Corey Ten Boone, uh, if you know, uh, lived during World War II and was helping to hide Jews and to smuggle them out to save them from going to the concentration camps to their certain death. 
uh, Corey Ten Boone, an amazing person of faith, had this quote, and I thought it was uh, I thought it was a great quote to go along with the message this morning. It says, "Faith is like radar that sees through the fog, the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see." That's the kind of faith that Moses' mother had when she put him into the basket. She knew, she didn't know what was going to happen. There was that fog there. She couldn't tell you that uh, Pharaoh's daughter was going to find that basket and that she was going to be able to nurse that child and to raise that child still. She had to have faith that what was on the other side of the fog, what she couldn't see, what she couldn't understand, what she couldn't even fathom was going to be okay because God is in control. The reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. And that does not, does not that go back to uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. She didn't see it, but her faith was made sight when she was able to come and to nurse her child, take him home and get paid to raise her child. How amazing that was. Can I tell you, Moses, when he went before Pharaoh, uh, had to have faith that God knew what he was doing and that God would protect him and that God would soften Pharaoh's heart and allow him to free the children of Israel. And Moses didn't know how that was going to happen. Uh, he probably, God didn't write out a uh, playbook and say, this is what we're going to do, step one, step two, step three. We're going to have ten plagues, and then this is going to happen, and then you're going to go at 8.30 a.m. the next day, and Pharaoh's going to have an appointment for you, and he's going to let you go. That's not how it works, okay? That's not how God works. But can I tell you, he has a plan in everything that he does. I had the privilege uh, a couple years ago of going and seeing uh, this plane here. You can't see us. That's us standing in front of the plane right there, that dark blob there. Uh, Landon's still in a stroller several years ago. Uh, this is the plane from the Miracle on the Hudson. If you remember uh, that story, U.S. Airways Flight 1549 was an Airbus 8320. Uh, and as it was taking off from LaGuardia on its way to Charlotte Douglas International Airport, uh, it hit a flock of uh, Canadian geese, which damaged the engines which caused it to have to land in the Hudson River in New York City. Uh, and just what an amazing story it is. Uh, and if you look at this picture, this picture just amazes me. Uh, the people escaping out of the plane after the, the pilot uh, has landed the plane, and uh, the captain's name was Chelsea B. Solenberger, better going by uh, Sully. And uh, he, was a, he had been a pilot in the Air Force uh, for many years. He's 57 years old. He was a fighter pilot. And he landed the plane in the Hudson River, and not one person passed away. That situation could have turned out a whole lot different. Uh, if he hadn't had the, the knowledge and made the decisions that he did, uh, and, and it's an amazing story to read, and it was an amazing plane to see, to see the damage. I don't know if you can see it from where you are, but to see the damage on the plane in the bottom right picture, that engine just torn up from having the geese go into it. Uh, and if you read some of the interviews that he uh, did, uh, you'll hear that people started to call him a hero. Well, he started to ask himself, well, what is a hero? Uh, and this is a quote that he had. He said, we all have heard about ordinary people who find themselves in extraordinary situations. That was a Moses. That was Moses' mother, an extraordinary situation now. Her son lives in the palace. That's a pretty extraordinary situation. Moses is leading the children of Israel out of captivity who find themselves in extraordinary situations. They act courageously or responsibly, and their efforts are described as if they opted to act in that way on the spur of the moment. Uh, when I first read the story and I was reading this quote uh, from Sully, I said, that's amazing that he, in that situation, said, well, let's land it in the water. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, but the quote went on to say, 
I believe many people in those situations actually have made decisions years before. And why did this stick out to me? Because I believe that Moses' mother made decision years before Pharaoh ever said, we're going to kill the children two years of age and younger. And she said, I'm going to have faith in God. And no matter what comes my way, I'm going to continue to be faithful. It wasn't a, a spur of the moment decision that she was faced with the situation and goes, well, I guess, should I be faithful? Should I not be faithful? Years before she had made the decision, I will be faithful. And because of that, she remained faithful. And can I tell you, in our lives as Christians, if we wait until we're faced with an impossible situation, with uh, losing a child, with facing that, the uh, Red Sea, with facing the walls of Jericho, if we wait till those times in our life uh, to say, I think I should have faith, then probably, more than likely, we're going to fail. And we're going to be miserable, and we're going to run smack dab into the wall and not know what to do. So can I encourage you today, in this room, make the decision to choose a life of faith. Decide today, I will have faith no matter what comes my way. And that's a scary thing to say. Uh, I understand that that's a scary thing to say because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen at that doctor's appointment next week. You don't know what's going to happen in the world, especially in the day and age in which we live. Uh, It's a scary place sometimes to see what's going to happen the next day, the day after. Uh, But can I tell you that choose today no matter what happens, no matter what situation you're faced with, that you will live a life of faith and you will get to live to see God do great and mighty things in and through your life. It'll be a life that's worth it if we choose a life of faith. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, for the example that we have of Moses, not a perfect person, for the example of his parents and how they raised a godly man as they were people of faith. Lord, I pray that you would help us as parents, as grandparents, as members and uh, attenders of Bible Baptist Church to live lives of faith, to be examples to the next generation, to those around us, that you are faithful, that you are faithful in every situation. And Lord, we just thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.